If you don't love what you do, find something else. Ryan Williams. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the podcast that helps you be the leader. Listen, let me ask you something. Have you ever wanted to know what it was like to have an army ranger and a Navy SEAL in the same room? Have you ever wondered what that conversation would be like? Well, I have news for you. Today's the day that you can find out. Um, Today's episode is a special one. I brought in a guest and this individual is a phenomenal leader. He's somebody that really came from nothing, built a successful company, and he continues to kick ass every single day. And yes, he is a former Navy SEAL. Mr. Ryan Williams is the founder of Industry Threadworks. This is, a, this is the go-to company for apparel brands that want to find their solutions to problems and, and crush their own goals. Okay. So he helps amplify other clothing companies okay, and help them build brands. But that's just one of several companies that he's involved with. And it's really impressive for me to, to watch an individual like himself because we are, we're cut from the same cloth in a lot of regards. He, he did come from nothing. He was on welfare. Like myself, I was on welfare for, some, for a short period of time when I was a kid. And for a guy like that to turn around and become a Navy SEAL and then turn around and become a successful entrepreneur and grow an eight-figure company, that's just fascinating from a leadership standpoint and a performance standpoint. But outside of his accomplishments, you know, one of my favorite things about Ryan is that he has this balance of being humble, but also being unapologetically himself. And I think a lot of leaders, individuals can learn from that. You know, it's kind of a difficult space to exist in where you want to, you want to be yourself, but you're kind of worried sometimes that, Maybe you're rubbing people wrong and you're coming off maybe cocky. And I think that Ryan does an exceptional job of finding that balance between humility and, um, you know, and, and ego essentially. So yeah, I wanted to bring him in and interview him because he, I asked for somebody on social media that was a credible entrepreneur who knows what it's like to come from nothing. And I wanted to get his personal lessons in leadership from scaling his eight figure, you know, his eight figure brand. And then I wanted to get inside the mind of somebody who succeeds at his level. So what you have ahead of you, the topics that we covered, you know, there's a lot, but some of my favorite ones that we discussed was the importance of ego when striving to accomplish anything. We also talked about the mindset of somebody that succeeds, how to know when to go around the metaphorical wall that you might be running your head into. We also talked about strategies and tactics for leaders who want to create a stronger culture in their team. And then one of my favorite topics that we discussed in this episode is how to create effective communication. Ryan has a very unique perspective when it comes to leadership. He wasn't, he doesn't see himself as being born a natural leader and he's had to learn leadership throughout his time as a SEAL and into becoming an entrepreneur. So I'm excited for today's episode. I'm excited for you to listen to it, take notes, learn, study, become better. And I appreciate you guys tuning in today. So get ready for some laughs. And get ready for some serious tactics and strategies on success and winning. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Ryan Williams. And, and what I love about your, your story, at least what I've seen from afar, is, is from what I can tell, you're, you're a guy that has kind of tried to be a gray man most of his life. And then meaning like didn't really want to stand out. And you've turned into a leader in your industry, bro. And it's... Uh, it's very commendable, and I, I just admire it from afar. And I have have since I've watched you. Oh, thanks, man. I kind of I kind of had to. Like, I do prefer being in the background. Like, I love what we do now with helping other brands grow and scale, and like pushing them to the forefront. And us just kind of managing the infrastructure and the data analysis and the scaling on the back end. Like, I I really much prefer that. Um, but it turns out like so many people think that it has to be done one way and we're, we're in a kind of a unique position where we see um, we work with so many different brands that if you're a brand owner, you really only see life from your own perspective, right? Your, your own entrepreneurship journey. Um, even with me, when, when uh, Mike Sowers and I started Forge back in 2007, uh, I sold my half of that company like five years later. And I thought I knew a little bit about building an apparel brand because I'd you know, been through it on my own. But dude, we started this company um, helping other brands do it. And 
wow, I, I learned so much more the first year doing that than I ever did running my own because we're exposed to so many different problems. And one of the things I noticed is that everybody's dealing with the same problems, but they all think they're the only one. And we were in a kind of unique position to be able to talk with all these brand owners and all these entrepreneurs and, and kind of share with them like, hey, this is, this is totally normal what you're going through. Like every single person we've talked to that built a brand went through this process. Here's some solutions that, that worked for this brand. Here's what might work for you. Try this out. So through that process, we're able to kind of give them a template and a roadmap to like, hey, here's how you can scale a brand, you know, from zero to seven, even eight figures. Um, and here's, here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen to certain timelines. And here's the things you can put in place to prevent that. So once I realized that everybody was dealing with the same problems, I'm like, shit, honestly, I just got tired of having the exact same conversation like dozens and dozens <laughs> of times. So I started yeah. putting stuff on YouTube. I'm like, hey, here you go. If this is useful, if it's helpful, then, you know, awesome. If, if it's not, then, you know, click off whatever. But that was kind of what started me being at the forefront of this stuff where it was just like, we had really valuable information and we just did it to try to kind of help people. And through that, you know, through that conversation, we ended up getting to know a lot of really cool people. And that's another thing I love about what we do is that like, I'm, our clients are legit. Like most of them are really good friends. You know, I love working yeah. with them. Oh, I want to, um, we made my wife, Disney is actually the CEO. So we, we moved her up to CEO position. Oh, three weeks ago. She's been the COO for like four years, but we recently moved her up to CEO position. Um, we split the company into two parts, production fulfillment. So I'm taking over CEO of the, the fulfillment division, which is going whole other different direction, but that's a whole different, whole different topic. But yeah, no longer CEO of industry. Well, well, dude, uh, thanks for clarifying that. And I, you know, honestly, since you brought that up, would you mind shaping kind of the depth and the scope of what you do right now so that, you know, I'm more on point, the audience is more on point and, uh, everybody truly understands the scope of your work. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's been, it's been kind of a journey where, and I think this is a very common thread that everybody goes through in the entrepreneurship journey is where in your beginning, you're the operator, you're like you're the one doing the work. You're the one answering the emails, doing the stuff, fulfilling like you are the entire business. And then once you get a couple people, you get a small team, like three or four. Now you start to be like a managerial type position and you, you move into like systems and processes and, and managing people. And then the next step above that is into a leadership position where you have like, you know, a 10, 12, 15 or more people. And now you've got leaders underneath you who are leading people. And now you're, you're not, they're the managers and you're leading the managers. So for me, that was a, uh, I always liked being the operator, um, you know, from an entrepreneur standpoint. And I liked doing the work. And it was very simple when you have a simple business where you're just like, I want to make more money. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to do more work. It's, it's very linear translation. But when you move to systems and processes and people, it's not a linear translation. And I found that all the things that I had done um, that had made my company successful up to that point were no longer going to be able to, that's not what the company needed to grow it. So I either had to stall out and keep the company at the, the level where it was and just ride that. Or I had to understand that if I wanted to build a big company, I had to completely change my role, um, change my skill set, uh, move into a, a leadership position, which is something I, I really didn't, I actively avoided for a long time. But once I stepped into it, I realized, like, I just got finished, uh, I was just in the middle of your, your podcast about uh, starting over, which is really good, brought some great points at that. Whereas, like, I realized I need to start over again. I need to go learn. There's certain skill sets that are very specific for leadership. And I realized that I sucked at like, you know, four out of five of those. So I was like, okay, I, I really have a lot of work that I need to do. Where do I find that stuff? How do I get it? You know, what does that process look like for me to evolve, to become the type of person that can lead and build the type of company that I want to build? So for me, long story short, what that turned into is that the HQ staff that we have here, we currently have uh, three warehouses in HQ and our staff here, they get along great with Disney um, and she meshes well. She's a better leader for the team than I am. I'm a little more rough around the edges and gruff. And, and um, the, one of the things I've always told the team was that, hey, if you come on board here, you can have any position you want within the company. You just have to make yourself the right person for that role. And it became very obvious where Disney was the right person for, to take over as CEO of industry. I was like, shit, man. Like, you're, you're totally right. You're going to be a better fit for this position than I am. And then I had to figure out, okay, what, 
what the hell do I go do now? And the, so that evolved a whole other set of conversations. But yeah, basically she got the job because she's like, I didn't hand it to her. She's amazing at what she does. And she leads the team really well. She's a, a killer in her own right. Dude, I mean, that's huge, man. And I mean, there's, um, there's so many things to pull out of that. And that, that's one of the reasons I pulled you. I mean, one of the main reasons I pulled you on is because, you know, from what I've watched and what I've seen, you came into the military, you became a Navy SEAL, you know, you got into entrepreneurship and really from, from, from what it looks like is you were, like you mentioned, building this world around you with you as kind of the center point. And eventually you got to a place where you decided to move yourself out of that and start helping out the people all the way around you. And you're continuing to do that now. And so that, that transition to me is, is fascinating because a lot of people get stuck right there. Would you agree to that? Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of this is particularly common with like high level special operations forces, you know, whether Ranger SEAL, GB, whatever it is. Um, it also affects high level athletes. Like if you're a pro athlete, um, you're making millions of dollars and then you're used to a certain lifestyle. You're used to people treating you a certain way and doing a certain level of work and output. And then you get thrown into a position where you know nothing about what's next for you. You know nothing about this new fishbowl that you put into and you have to learn. You have to understand that you're a new guy again going into this, this completely new realm and you know fucking nothing. So the problem is a lot of guys that come from a higher level and you know, military or achieve some level of something where they feel like they're above other things, they tend to have an ego, which is not a bad thing. It can drive you very well. But at the same time, you have to understand that that, that ego can also be your, your albatross because you have to let your ego go in order to learn anything new. You can't go into, like, I know about maybe SEAL stuff and I know about entrepreneur stuff. But if I were to go into like a tech company or something, I don't know shit about that. I would be the newest new guy of all in the tech company. I would go to the, the person they just hired last month and be like, bro, you know, 30 days worth of information more than I do. How do I learn <laughs> from you? And a lot of people aren't willing to do that. They're not willing to be the new guy again. And they, they jump from one high level of something. They think they can go right to a high level of another. And it just doesn't work like that. And unless you're willing to, you know, put your ego in your pocket and get to work on becoming who you need to be to evolve, then, you're just, you're just going to fucking fail. And people do it all the time. And they, that, that's, I think, something that afflicts um, probably spec ops community more than others. Probably, especially team guys, we're definitely known for our, <laughs> our ego. <laughs> but it's, it's just a fact, man. You got you to gotta fucking keep it under control. It's very useful, but only if you keep it in control. Yeah, like ego can help you run to a gunfight, right? It can help you, you know, make you think that, you, it can give, help you give you confidence, but it can also give you so much confidence that you, like you mentioned, you won't do the next thing. Oh, I don't need to do that. I don't need to start over. That's yeah. what I'm hearing from you. Yeah. But that's the thing is like, if you don't constantly start over, you're always going to be the best you've ever been. That's it. You'll never get better if you don't understand the evolution of what needs to take place, what your weaknesses are, and actively try to work on your weaknesses to, to get beyond that. And I think ego is, ego gets a bad rap um, because most people look at it like this, uh, you know, arrogant kind of thing. And, it, and it's really not. You have to have some kind of ego in order to build anything big, right? Like you have to. So, but at the same time, you can't build something big if you just keep squashing all your team with your big fucking ego. So you have to have an ego to set a really big goal, which is great. But then you also have to have the control of it to understand when to rein it in, when to put it in your pocket and look at your team and be like, hey, you guys are the subject matter experts on this. What do you guys think we should do? I still need to make a decision, but I understand that like in my team now, I'm not the most informed on the day to day operations, what's going on. So I, I rely on them a lot. And ultimately, it's my decision at the end of the day. But if I go into every meeting, be like, I'm the boss, I know this, I know that, I'll win the meeting, but I'll lose the fucking war. You know, mm. we're not in it for like, you know, one week, two weeks, a year or two. Like we're in this, this is my life. You know, I don't want to retire. I want to be doing this when I'm 60 or 70. I don't, I love, maybe not this, but like, I love what we do, you know? So I have to understand that in order to maintain and get that big ego goal, I have to squash my, my short-term ego. I look at it as long-term ego to build something big and short-term ego. And I'm willing to just, you know, let my short-term ego get 
kicked in the head all the fucking time because I know that's the only way that I'm going to get better and achieve my long-term goals is people who say, hey, you suck at this. You need to get better at this. This is a problem. Like, cool. Let me have it. <laughs> what, 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 are the, what are the indicators you use to reel yourself back in? You know, when you know that maybe you might be, you know, being too aggressive to kind of like, I'm going to drag this problem through the dirt until I get a solution. What are the indicators that, that kind of keep you in check? Dude, you know, it's, it's funny. I used to, uh, I used to think it was just a matter of like muscling through it. Right. You're just <laughs> like, dude, I'm going to go for it. And I'm like, not taking no for an answer. We're just going to fucking drive through. And that is, that is very important where it is a massively important skill set just to be able to figure it out. Right. Just figure the fuck out, find a solution, find a way to make things happen. That is very important. But the problem is I did start to notice that the times where I would make an effort to go a certain direction and then I would, uh, it was like almost like the universe was like guiding me somewhere else. You're like, yeah, I know you want to go here, but yeah, we're going to throw this roadblock. Yeah, I know you want to go here, but we're going to make this happen. We're going to do this happen. So I was constantly getting these little like roadblocks popping up and I used to just power through them like, fuck that. I'm not stopping. I'm doing this. And then after a while, I realized that, you know, they, they say the best gifts are unanswered prayers. After sometimes I found where I did achieve, I pushed so hard that I, I achieved, I pushed through the, the challenges and I achieved what I wanted to get. And so many times I found like, shit, that actually didn't work out very well. Like I should have paid attention to the signs who were like, hey, trying to steer me in another direction. So now, and this is kind of like, it's not some hippie thing. It's, it's, a, it's a mathematical equation. Like I've noticed this so often that it's a repeating pattern. So now I look at the pattern and I'm like, okay, if I push hard and I meet a certain amount of resistance in a certain way, I'm going to start looking at alternatives and I'm going to start pulling my head up and be like, okay, am I going the right direction? Am I supposed to be doing this? Did the universe want me to do this? So it's that riding that challenge of like the right amount of aggression, uh, understand there are going to be challenges, but knowing when to pull back and be like, okay, am I supposed to be taking a different path right now? That, was, that, that took me a that, long time to figure out. <clears throat> That, that, you know what's wild is that um, this is our first time talking. I do the exact same thing. <laughs> Nobody I, talks I, about it, though. Dude, I do. I, uh, mine is I listen to what repeats. That's my code. Yeah. Like, I want to pay yeah. attention to repeats. If I get, if I get two indicators that, that, okay, I'm, I think I might be bumping my head. If I get three, I am bumping my head, and I need to adjust. Dude, See? that's crazy. It's yeah. a, it's a, and it's not a hippy-dippy thing. Like, it's literally a, I'm a very analytical person. It's a mathematical equation. Like you can't, at a certain point, you can't ignore patterns. Like they happen for a reason. I don't know why. I don't know what, well, how they work, but you can't ignore them. Patterns exist. Yeah. Maybe it's just like attracts like, like it's like frequency. You know what you mean? Like you're, you're, you're constantly being pulled towards the frequency that you align with. Yeah. I, I'm, I am. I'm not trying to go super, you know, hippie like you just said, but it's it, it's fascinating. It's your show. Go. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good stuff. It's stuff that people don't talk about. You know, a lot of times you mm -hmm. jump on things like this, and people go, "It's very cookie cutter." It's like, "Hey, tell me about this chapter. Tell me about this chapter." I like to kind of see where it goes and um, and kind of talk about maybe the things that people aren't really talking about. You know? Yeah, that's what I'm here for, man. Like I, I'm really open and honest about everything that we're doing. Like I, like I said, we have a. Three warehouses and HQ space. We're actually subleasing out this HQ space next week because we grew too fast, too big. Um, and now we're having to downsize because our overhead is just massive. So mm. we're like, holy shit. So our top line revenue this year is the same, but we're taking some steps um, that are going to save us almost a half million dollars a year just in expenses, you know, because we just like, I was again too aggressive. I'm like, dude, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do all these freaking things. And we did them but we weren't like world-class at all the extra shit. We're only world-class at two things, um, apparel production and apparel fulfillment. That's all we do. So we just basically downsized everything. If it doesn't fit within that scope, if it doesn't fit within things that we can do at a truly world-class level, we're just not going to do it anymore. And we drew that down over the last like four months and some, you know, painful conversations. We had to let you know, quite a few people go, um, and subleasing out some spaces, but at the same time, I'm like, dude, I really, this is the direction that, you know, I should have listened to before, but I was just, you know, too far on the path of like, grow, grow, grow at all costs. Like shit, it's actually really fucking expensive to grow. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, and then not just, not just, 
financially expensive, but then like you mentioned with people, right? Cause people are human beings and, and you're a compassionate person, right? You want them to succeed. And so when you come to those crossroads with decisions, there's a lot of factors that are involved. Um, and, and the yeah. reality is, is leader, leaders are, are, they're in position to make those decisions, right? That's why you're there because they're hard as hell to make. What about decisions for you? How do you, do you, wh- how do you go about making decisions on a regular? For me, I, I try to be as, dra- as data driven as possible, but also to, uh, I think a lot of people think they're data driven, but they only look at the top line numbers, right? They only look at one layer deep of the numbers. And we deal with sometimes for like t-shirts. Somebody's like, well, if I get, uh, say for example, uh, you know, a t-shirt, a medium quality, good stuff. Like I'm wearing the iron apparel right now. This is really good stuff, but it's, it's pretty, it's pretty standard good stuff. This is what we do a lot of work on and it's, it's what we recommend. But at the same time, we do get clients come in that, they're like, oh, I want to do a cheaper blank. And we're like, bro, there's only a dollar difference. It's only $1 difference. So if you think you're going to save a dollar by, say you do a thousand, a thousand units, right? Say they're like seven bucks at a thousand units and you're going to get them for six bucks by going cheaper. Like I'm saving, I'm saving a thousand dollars. Like, no, no, no. You're not saving a thousand dollars instead of spending 6,000 or instead of spending 7,000 for a product that is going to do its job and show people your brand and into the world and get good marketing, you're going to throw away $6,000 because that dollar difference in, in cost. <laughs> yeah. That dollar difference in cost, it's going to be such a shitty product that people won't even, they won't even wash their cars with it, let alone wear it out. So you didn't actually save a dollar. You actually lost $6,000. So there's that value apex of like, you have to look at not just the, the, the first layer of numbers, like, Oh, I'm going to save a dollar. Like, yeah, but what, what, is, what is the cascading effects of that decision, right? How does that affect the bottom line? How does it affect, you know, the next layer of numbers? And people don't, people don't usually look at that. They just look at the, the first layer. And it's very frustrating for me because I, like, we nerd out, like, big time. We, like, create our own calculators, like, in Excel. And that's, like, I was talking to Disney about it, and she helped me make it. I'm, like, so excited. I texted one of her clients, like, bro, you wouldn't believe this? You made a fucking like data analysis calculator. It has to custom sizing ratios and your, your inventory tracking. Like, dude, it's fucking crazy. And he's, he's a nerd too. So we're like, bro, we're like nerding out on it. But the average yeah. person, they just don't, they don't get that. And I, I think for a long time, uh, I, uh, I didn't do a good job of understanding that, that that's not their job to understand that. That's my job to understand it and then communicate that in an effective way in a language with metrics that, that they understand, right? So that, that's been an ongoing journey for me. Um, I'm not super good at communication. Um, as good as I am now is only because I was so terrible at it that I put a lot of effort and time into, into making myself at least like competent with it. Yeah, I think that kind of comes with being the gray man, kind of being a little bit invisible when you're younger, you know, being quiet, not really speaking up. You, you, you maybe, maybe you have a lot of thoughts, but you don't have a lot of words. And so then when you get in a position, a leadership position to speak up, you're kind of tongue tied. I went through a similar thing. So, you know, you, basically what I'm hearing is when you make decisions, you're thinking big picture. You're thinking, what is the, what is, if I put this in, what's the big picture value that I'm going to get long term? And I think that you're mm-hmm. right. Yeah, a lot of people always focus short term and they actually, you know, they even focus surface layer like you're talking about with everything, not just what they're doing in their employment or place of work, but you're seeing this even today with what's going on in the news, man. You know, this is a little bit off topic, but it's also on, on topic. You know, both of us served in the military and we're, we've, the U.S. is withdrawn from Afghanistan. And what you're seeing right now is people that, you know, you're seeing a lot of different things, but you're seeing people that never served try to fig- make sense out of it all. And they're kind of caught up in what they're being fed in order to determine what their belief is about the situation. So, for example, a lot of a lot of people are kind of looking at the surface level of things, meaning the 60 minutes clip that's coming from the news station or their favorite influencer creating an Instagram reel that says something bashing the whole thing. And they never really dive layers deep into the whole situation. Um, are you, do you see that same thing? You know, do you see that same thing on social media? I'm sure you do. And what are your thoughts on, on how people are processing what we're doing overseas? I think everybody, everybody wants to be relevant, you know, especially with social media. Everybody wants to like be that person that like, oh, you knew this. Oh, you got the scoop on that. You, you're, you have this. So everybody feels like they have to project an opinion when in fact, most people don't have 
the knowledge base to even have a, a relevant opinion on anything. So I never got to go to Afghanistan. So my opinion on it is like, it's all secondhand. It's like for my bros that went over there and you know, some of my friends that, that died and like, okay, cool. But like, my opinion is not as relevant as, you know, somebody who's actually over there in the culture working with the people. So for me, I've been like relatively quiet about it. Um, the only things I'll comment on, like, you know, publicly is like, uh, I'll make posts about just the, the things that are relevant to things that I do believe tie into the American culture, right? Like the, I made a post today about how the Taliban was rounding up civilians and, and taking their, taking their guns away. And I was like, Oh wow, that sounds a little bit familiar. It's going on around here. Right. People would love to do. And people were like, I was like, for some reason, controversial post. I'm like, mm. what the, f this shouldn't, this should not be controversial. So I'll only comment on stuff that really like, I, I feel like I have a relevant experience on or, or some kind of like actual firsthand knowledge, but secondhand stuff that's going on in Afghanistan. I never, I never got to go. So I'm like, I don't know. Okay. So you tend to, you know, I noticed something, I don't know if it's humility. I, I think you're extremely humble for sure. But when, when I'm you, humble as fuck, bro, <laughs> <laughs> but just well, kidding. I mean, specifically, specifically about your service, man. You know, um, you, I'm curious. You tend you tend to minimize what what you've accomplished in the military, and I see this with a lot of veterans that maybe feel like they didn't get the didn't have the career that they wanted to have, or I don't know, they downplay it. And to be honest, and this might sound weird, I'm actually the same way. Even though you see all this shit on my wall. The reason I got the shit on my wall is because I got some advice one time from somebody. He said, Hey dude, you just look like an asshole talking on camera. He's like, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's like, how do I, how do I know I should listen to you? He's like, put some Ranger shit up. And I was like, my gut kind of turned and I was like, ah, I don't know. I was like, all right, so I'll toss it up there. Um, yeah. Context this is great context. It, it is. But on the same time, I, I'm, I kind of resonate with how you talk about your service where you, you almost minimize it a little bit. Why, why is that? Why? Well, you know, well, if you wouldn't two, mind two things. Yeah, two things. Well, maybe three things. But you hit the nail on the head. I, I didn't like. Yeah, I was a Navy SEAL, and I did one deployment before nine eleven and two after. But I didn't get to go do anything cool. Like I didn't get to go to Afghanistan. I didn't get to go to Iraq. I didn't do shit. So I'm like, bro, it's like, it's like being on a fucking Super Bowl team, and like your team's in, and you're sitting on the bench. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? You know. And so it was very frustrating for me to see like all these dudes going off and we're just like missing the fucking boat. Like we're supposed to go to Afghanistan was going off before Iraq. We're, we're standing up Djibouti. So we're like a first one in Djibouti. We're standing that up in case Yemen went off. Of course that never happened. So then the next deployment, we're like, Oh, we're going to go to Paycom for a little bit and then go to Iraq and be a nine month deployment. So, but five months in, we get this big drug scandal in Thailand and get kicked out of the country. So we're like, fuck. All right. So then they took all our new guys from the platoon and sent them to Iraq. And this is, this is my third deployment as like, you know, a sniper, assisty gunner, like I'm, I'm, you know, useful in the platoon. And I'm like, you motherfuckers, you're gonna take these new guys who they have only done like four months of one deployment, you're gonna send them to Iraq. I'm on my third fucking deployment here. You've been fucking me over the whole time. And you're gonna send me back to the team, like, and have me fucking sweep the grinder and install door stops and shit, fuck you. So that was part of the thing where I was like, dude, I was pissed. In fact, my going away speech at Team One, they usually stand you up and they're like, hey, you have anything to say? I told everybody to go fuck themselves. <laughs> I literally stood up and like, y'all can go fuck yourselves. And the CEO, or not the CEO, he's the XO. He's like, really me? I can go fuck myself? I'm like, no, nah, you're, you're cool, sir. And he was. He was a really, really cool dude. But everybody else, I was so pissed. I felt like I threw away a fucking lifetime of like, you're training at a high level to go do shit. And then somebody's like, nah, nah. So that, there is that part of it. I didn't, I didn't get to do the things I wanted to do. Um, but then, you know, looking at how <laughs> things take a different turn, um, I got to do some really incredible things that I wouldn't have had the opportunity to do otherwise, like become an instructor, which was really eye-opening for me, which led to a lot of, that was probably the start of personal development where I realized holy shit, like I really have a lot of authority and power over these students. They really trust me. I need to, I need to be a better example for them. Um, so that was the start of that. And then I, I taught at uh, SQT for a long time as a civilian instructor. Um, and I think that really helped me kind of prep 
myself for entrepreneurship. And that leads into the second thing is that most of my sales stuff, it doesn't, it doesn't have, it doesn't help my clients scale their brands at all. So I try not to highlight it in any of the stuff we do because it's like you said, the stuff in the background, it's a cool context thing. And it does like open the door and get some, I've met some great people because of it. But at the same time, it's like, it's just a door opener. I still have to provide value once that conversation starts. And through that, I need to be really good at my job. So, and we are, we're, we're world-class at what we do. I have no problem saying that it's not an ego thing. We literally are world-class at what we do. So, but the, the third part of that is that, man, I just don't want to be the guy that peaked in high school. I know so many people are like, I did this back in my 20s. I'm like, okay, bro, but you're 40. Like, I'm 43 now. Like, what the fuck did you do the last 10 years? You fat as fuck sitting home on the VA, like just sucking the VA tit the next 10 years. What are you going to do the next 20 years? He's like, might as well, like, what are you doing? You're wasting everything that you fucking built your whole life for. Like, so for me, I don't want to be that guy. And I think there's so much more opportunity out there to go do anything and everything you ever want to do in your life. Like this is, this is the most opportunity the average person has to fucking blow up and impact the world on a massive fucking scale. And people are just like, oh, I'm gonna fucking post some memes. Like, dude, fuck you. Go out and like light, light something on fucking fire, you know? Like go out there and build something big. Like make a fucking impact. And people are like, oh, I'm gonna make a fucking TikTok about pronouns. Like, dude, whatever. <laughs> well, dude, you know, what you just said, man, there's a couple things I wanna, I wanna come back to. Cause where you're at now, that humility came back, right? Like, hey, I was aggressive enough to achieve this thing, you know, get into the team, get into become a SEAL. And but I wasn't, you know, my ego wasn't so out of control that I had to talk, talk about it for the next 30 years and then get out of service and basically crash. Because you see that, too. I see it with a lot of Army guys. I see it with Navy guys. I see it all over the place. They get to a certain level, like you mentioned. They get out and their significance is gone and they absolutely just flatline in life. And it sucks. It's, it's horrible. Well, they, they lose their identity, too, because their identity yeah. has been this. They never who they were. They were always a thing. And once they don't have that thing anymore, they're like, well, I don't know, I don't know who to be now. And then they, they totally lose it. And that, that causes a lot, of, a lot of depression, man. Because like, if you don't connect yourself and your identity to something outside of you know, something within somebody else's control, like you're, it's, it's a real danger that, that if that gets pulled away from you, you don't know who the fuck you are. You're lost at sea, man. You have no anchor, no fucking, no sails, no nothing. You're just floating around at the whims of everybody else. Everybody else is in control and power, and you're just sitting there fucking dead in the water. It's not a good place to be. Looking, looking back on that period, that chapter, I know this is a little bit of a pain point for you, kind of looking back at the SEAL times, right? Um, I don't want to spend a lot of time there, but I want to kind of pull out a lesson for somebody. You know, Do you feel like it was the universe pulling you a different direction now that you can kind of, Look at it from a 30,000 foot lens. Do you think you're being guided to do what you're doing now? Man, I, I don't know, bro. I, I don't think I'm there by any means. I think I'm, honest opinion, I think I'm being prepped to learn what I need to learn. But I'm probably, I would imagine, three to five years away from what I'm supposed to be doing because I feel like I'm learning so much every day that I'm like, I'm happy to share what I've learned so far, but I don't feel like I have enough knowledge where I can sit on a fucking mountaintop and be like, hey, this is the way. This is what you do. I mean, certain aspects, yes, I can, I can see the patterns, the solutions you can apply. But in a bigger, bigger scope, bigger picture, I don't know, man. I, I, don't, I definitely don't think I'm there yet. I think hopefully some of the things and the, the challenges that we're going through now, um, I think are very useful. They're you know, difficult to get through like any challenge. But looking back on the last like, couple months uh, as our downsizing, uh, it's been very, very useful information. And I, through that process, I've had to look into certain parts of the company that I probably wouldn't have looked into. And through that process, I've noticed that we now have a completely different opportunity and trajectory um, that's way, way bigger than anything I thought of before. And I'm not sure I would have seen that if I hadn't had to take that deep dive into everything. So yeah, I do think looking back, there's, I think there's always a reason for something. Um, it's just that I've, I've never been in a position where I saw it at the time though. It's always looking back where I'm like, oh, that's why that happened. That's why I had to go through that. And in the moment, I'm never like, oh, this is, this is great. It always just feels like a kick in the dick. <laughs> um, 
Well, thank you for sharing that. Let, let's talk a little bit about leadership. Let's talk about, you know, maybe the rights and wrongs, like some things you did early mm. on and then right and wrong. And then oh, some yeah. things you're doing now, right and wrong, essentially. Dude. Yeah. That's, that's a great topic, man. Um, and this is something that I think I can provide some useful insight on because I, I did fuck this up. Um, and I, I fucked it up both ways. There's a pendulum going, going two ways. And in the beginning, I'm, like I'm very self-aware with stuff. So uh, I knew that I was too far on the analytical side. I was too like robotic. Uh, this is was, in business like, or this is in business, right? You're talking honestly, about- Honestly, just, just life. In I've life? always okay. been like a, a robot. Like, uh, yeah, I've always just been like a cyborg, right? So like okay. my wife calls me a Vulcan. That's just, this is how I am. <laughs> I'm not very emotional. I'm just very logical, probably too logical. So um, my thing has always been, I didn't understand people very well. I understood, you know, systems and processes and reasons and actions and like patterns, but I didn't understand people at all. They're always like a huge mystery to me. Even when I was a kid, I was a total nerd, like growing up. So like, but I wanted to hang out with the cool kids. So I had like how, to analyze. What type of nerd? What what type of nerd? What type of nerd are we talking about? Like not the, the dragons. Not, what type are you talking here? Oh no, I was like super awkward. Uh, I actually, I'll I'll have to I'll send you a picture of me. I had like a right. bowl cut. I was super skinny. Right. I was like, dude, like as dorky as you can get. Um, and so, but I wanted to hang out with the cool kids because they're the one having cool experiences. They were going to parties, they're having fun. And I was like, it's not that they were cool. It's like, I want to have these experiences. So even at the young age, it was the experiences that were driving my decisions, not like, I want to go hang out and be cool to be cool. Um, but I would look at their uh, patterns, right? I would look at their uh, mentality, the way they spoke. So a lot of it was humor. So they wanted to be being popular. A lot of it had to do with being funny. So I had to analyze humor. So I had to, I had to break down what it was that defined humor. Right. And especially in like little high school age. So it was like, is, is it the content of what they're saying? Is it the context of how they're saying it? Is it the tone? Is it the pause? Is it like, how are they being funny? And that launched me into a whole bunch of like super awkward things that I thought were going to be funny and like just social situations. I fell on my face a bunch of times. Um, but through that process, I, I learned, I basically learned to be human. Um, so that helped me. But so I say this to say that uh, in, a, in a package, uh, I'm very analytical, like very numbers driven. And so I had to learn the human side of it. So when I got into a leadership position, um, I knew that, the human side of it was a weakness for me. So um, I listened to a lot of Jocko's podcasts, got a lot out of that, um, listened to other podcasts and, and tried to be, you know, what a leader would be. It was empathetic and supportive and all that. And I was. I was super empathetic, super supportive. I let them run everything. I didn't micromanage. I'm like, yeah, here's all oh, you do. Great. You do this. Yeah, you're doing awesome. It was like super like, you know, the pendulum swung too far the other way, basically. And then so about nine months or a year ago, we realized like, okay, that doesn't work either. <laughs> I can't be super hardcore analytical and I can't be super wishy-washy. I have to find that medium ground. And basically what it came down to is that the way I would describe it is like, I needed to be a certain way to become a better CEO, a better leader for my team, but also a tiger can only change the stripes so much. Mm. And if you change it beyond that certain percentage that you're comfortable with, you end up just being inauthentic. And that's what happened is I was being like, oh, yeah, this and that. And I was very frustrated, but I want to let the team know. It was like, oh, yeah, it's all fine. It's all good. You handle it. And I realized that the, the better approach is to find that middle ground where you understand empathy, but you're not always empathetic. You understand power, but you understand how not to squash people with it. You understand authority but how to wield it both ways. You understand communication both up and down. So now we, we, we have a much better balance of that to where we have our team and it's been kind of a growing pains for a lot of them because they're like, they're not used to it. And I told them, hey, look, you guys have been here long enough. You're really good at what you do. And a lot of these little mistakes, I'm not going to be like, oh, it's okay. Well, since you did this dumb thing. I'm like, no, you, you did. That was really dumb that you did that. Like, let's look into why that happened and let's, let's, you know, change the SOPs and procedures to make sure that that doesn't happen again. And if it's a human error, like, hey, let's get you some training to, to help that. But you did fuck it up, so let's work on it. Um, but the, it was, the, it was. Uh, I had to find that balance. Yeah, no, that's 
it's like finding that sweet spot is always is always difficult because sometimes like you know when you're a high performer and you're trying your goal focus and you're like i'm i'm gonna hit these objectives i want to get there i'm also aggressive and then you're coming up short in a lot of ways you can insert yourself and start being really nitpicky about stuff and it can kind of make you feel you know that that's a personal weakness of yours or quote unquote right you know Mm -hmm. it's a thing that can kind of get out of control and so you know you can catch yourself wondering and second guessing am i being too nitpicky am i just like am i being an ass my wife calls it you know you're being too much of a virgo because i'm a virgo and she's like she, she, <laughs> yeah. she and, and like am i being a virgo or am i just do i just have standards you know what i mean mm-hmm. so it's like that weird that weird balance there. dude it's it's hard to find it's hard to find that balance it took took me probably i think we're on our sixth year right now with industry Threadworks, and we have had i think we're only we've only had over eight people for like two and a half years. So this is a really new transition for me. Um, yeah, it, it took me about a year to where find that, that, you know, find where that pendulum fits, where I, where I should be, where my most, you know, powerful equilibrium is, where I can bring the most value to the team and help grow everything without overpowering, without, you know, nitpicking or micromanaging, but also giving them clear expectations and guidance. So I'm like, hey, here's, here's the program parameters. Here's what success in this program looks like. Let's define what that is together. And then you launch and I'm going to support you and I'll guide you left and right. And that's kind of like the structure that we found works the best because I was two hands off, shit went all over the fucking place. And when I was two in the weeds on it, there just felt squashed. You, t- you talk a lot about communication too and how you've evolved personally, just improving yours, making it a two-way street. Um, I imagine that finding that balance with your team comes down to communication too, right? So it, yeah. what are the tweaks that you've made to kind of cause the team to communicate back up to you and ensure that they're understanding what your intent is and that you're not just the fire breathing leader breathing down their throat, right? Um, we concentrate a lot on communication. Um, like, like down to like, we will nitpick the emails that we send to clients based on how we want them to feel about things, right? So we're, we're very big on the communication aspect, very big on the relationship aspect. Um, and that comes down to like how, how we treat each other, how we support each other. Uh, the, the two things, two people I've got the most out of on my you know, journey of trying to understand that and be better at that communication aspect uh, was Jocko and Ed Milet. Um, and they're both just you know, masters of, Jocko refers to as verbal jujitsu. I'm like, man, that's, a, that's such a great way to put it. Um, and Ed does a phenomenal job of like providing really clear guidance and powerful structure and, you know, supporting, but also giving them free reign to, to do their own thing. And then when they do fuck up, because everybody fucks up, like how do you have that conversation with, you know, with respect and integrity, but also supporting, you know, the, the goals that define success. So it's, it's very difficult to walk. Um, I probably fucked up that question. I got sidetracked on. No, you gave, you built, you built, you built out context. So the question is about how do you, what do you look for or what's it like, do you have a communication SOP? Cause what I'm looking for is how do you ensure your team understands the guidance that you're giving out and that it's a two way street, that the communication is a two way street and not a one way street. Yeah. We found that when we had 24 people, it became one of the most important roles we had, uh, is our guy Luke Abraham is a, a heart officer. So what he did is basically he's the conduit of communication between all the managers, mm. like the, the people underneath the managers and then Disney and I. And so we couldn't have all these conversations with so many people because we didn't have the time. So what we did is we had Luke in there as a heart officer and his job was his sole job is communication. So what he does is he takes, he's in on all our big conversations with just Disney and I, or maybe some key people he's in on everything. So he understands the big picture, the big vision. He knows where we're going. He knows the finances. He knows the, the, the good things, the bad things. He knows everything about the company. But most importantly, he knows the vision that I want for the company and that Disney I have. So then he's able to communicate that down to the, to everybody on the team. He has daily meetings with everybody on the team. They all know like, Hey, I'm feeling kind of this. I'm feeling kind of that way. They can take him and, and his whole job. They'll go out for a half hour or an hour and just talk about anything and everything. Um, and so he's able to communicate and have these very deep conversations with them and sprinkle the key components of like when, they, when they're upset about 
why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? He knows why. So he's like, oh yeah, well, this is the reason why we're doing this because he's privy to these conversations. But also that conversation goes two ways. So if people are all upset about something and they don't want to bring it up, they bring it up to him and he's like, hey, he'll, he'll come to me in Disney and I'd be like, hey, I heard from, you know, four people that this, this is going on. This is a common problem. And, you know, I think we should have a meeting about it. And then we, we discuss and we implement solutions. So it's, and we give him full authority too to, uh, to not tell us shit. So he can go have meetings with everybody. And the only things that he tells us is the things that um, that, that person that he's meeting with has authorized him to tell us. So he has full authority to, to you know, basically have an NDA in place with whoever he's talking to. And we were not going to pressure him to um, reveal anything he's not comfortable with because that, that position has become so integral to what we do, such a key component of the, the communication part of the mission. It's really become incredible. Like, I don't know how people run a company over 15 people without like somebody doing that role because it's, it's become so key in what we do. It's like a, it's like, basically it's like a Sergeant major of a battalion or it's like a chaplain or a, a mix of the two where mm -hmm. you have that person you can confide in, um, tell them everything like, dude, that's a genius. That's a genius position to, to build into the company. He's really good too. We took it from uh, Gary Vee's heart officer. Uh, I, I, I forgot her name now, but yeah, she was actually super cool about it. And, and Luke reached out to her and she had a zoom call with him like for free, just like hooked him up with all the stuff. It was like, He's running like, I don't know, a $200 million company or something. Like it was, it was really cool to see him light up when like you could see that he found his place, you know, like yeah. he really found where he thrives. He's doing something that he loves with people that he loves. And, and he's like, I, I can't say enough good things about that position. It's really been a game changer for us. Yeah. His name's Luke. Uh, you can tell that, yeah. that you're, you're really proud of him in that spot, man. You can tell us how <laughs> should you talk about him. Dude, it's great, um, man. About... He's, he's saved our ass a bunch of times, like having us, helping us navigate very difficult personnel situations and, and issues and conversations. He's been extremely key with all that. He's a little bit of yin to your yang, to be honest, too. You know what I mean? Very much so. Person... <laughs> very much so. Yeah. <laughs> but I need that. I, I know yeah. that's a weakness of mine. He's really good at it. So together, like, dude, it's, it's, it's perfect. He's, he's strong in that. Let's, let's talk a little bit. Um, I want to be respectful of your time. I want to touch on one more subject, and then we can um, open it up for anything else that you want to tell the audience. And that, that's like, you know, the, on the topic of love, you know, what are, what, are, what are you loving right now? Like, what, what's lighting up your day and your, your life right now? What are you excited about that's really just hitting your heart and, and you're finding joy in? Right now, we're kind of in a, like a, a low position where – we're so we're splitting the company into two companies. There's production, which Disney is running CEO, of, and then fulfillment, which has a different trajectory. So I'm in the middle of like building that, like literally naming it, like creating the brand and and you know the the vision and and where we're going to go with that. Not just the the physical structure and like the the business structure, but like what's the culture of the company? You know, what I mean, like so that that for me is like I'm still trying to feel it out. We probably have one more week of like baking that, like putting a little more ingredients in it and kind of really figuring out what we want it to taste like, like how spicy we want it to be, like how soft we want it to be, like what do we want this thing to look like as we bake it? So I'm excited about that because that has um, huge, huge potential uh, in the next five years. And it's, it's in a whole new realm that I'm not really familiar with. So I get to be, I get to be a new guy again. I get to go learn new shit. I get to go build a slightly different team. Um, I get to go learn about, you know, infrastructure at, at a much bigger level than, than we already know. So for me, that's exciting. And also too, one of the things I love about it is that I love being in the background. So for me to be able to use my analytical mindset and dive into the numbers and really create this network of infrastructure mm -hmm. that is super helpful to the brands on the front end, it's the perfect extension of what I always love to do, which is manage the numbers on the back end. So this, I'm super excited about where we're going with this. There's a few more question marks about like, you know, exactly how we're going to do it and what it's going to look like. Um, but I think we're probably like two to three weeks away from formatting that. And once that's up and running, um, probably like two to three months, it'll be really like on step and full steam. Um, that's got my primary focus right now. And after that, uh, 
yeah, I don't know, man, we might be looking at like moving to Salt Lake City and we're looking at Dallas and we're looking at a bunch of other stuff, man. So California is getting wacky. It's always been wacky, but yeah. it's at a level now. I'm like, dude, this shit is unbelievable. Yeah. Hard to talk, hard to stomach. What you highlighted though, is that what's making you excited is the growth, um, the business growth, but then also I'm picking up, you love to create and the new, the new opportunity, the new path that you carved out is really about self-expression. You know, it's about being able to fully express who you are, get into the weeds of things and kind of release yourself from the shackles of some of the other things that are going on. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, man, you, you've been able to pull out a bunch of things on here. I'm like totally right on this. Um, yeah, self-expression, I think it's just a good fit for what I want to do. And I, I never want to, I never want to stay the same. I never want to get stagnant. I always want to do stuff. And that's one of the things that, one of the reasons that we had Disney take over as CEO is that there wasn't a whole lot of things I could do in a day-to-day -day operation that would actually move the business forward anymore. Like I had no job in the company, they're like, I need to do this email, I need to do this task, I need to do this, it didn't exist anymore. So I just had to basically be, go out and be a lighthouse for the brand, and that's interesting, but I was no longer in a creative role, and you totally nailed it. Um, one of the things I love about building businesses is, is the building part. I love the creative process. I love you know naming it and coming up with the logo and design, how does this feel, how does this look, how do I feel when I put this on, you know? What does this make my life look like? So for me, being able to immerse myself constantly in these types of projects keeps me always, always involved, always like um, a type of fulfillment, right? Like a, a type of happiness um, because I'm working within the space and within the role that I love. But it's, is that going to be the end state? I don't know. I think I fucked up a lot of things on the way. I think I should have built more assets. I should have invested more. Um, I should have not been as all in on the company as I, as I have been, um, because 43, I don't, I don't own a house. I don't own anything. All my money's in the company. I'm like, yeah, companies worth something, but like, I don't feel like I look at some of my peers who are like, you know, got like 16 houses and they're doing all that shit. I'm like, man, I fucked up. I, I went too hard on this thing. I was too focused on this thing. I ignored everything else. And, um, I found that I tend to do that. So now I'm trying to take a uh, more well-rounded approach to a lot of things. Um, let, and maybe that's let, just getting older, but, you know. No, you're good. I, I wanted to ask you because you said something really profound. You know, I made a lot of mistakes, again, to your point of like, I want to help somebody else out. Let's help out younger Ryan kind of going through those struggles, <laughs> Wait, you know, break, breaking, breaking, through, breaking through six figures, seven figures, eight figures and maybe tie it into leadership. Like what does that leader need to focus on to break through those levels and set himself up for success when he gets to your position? What's something, something that the advice that you'd give him? I think I would like to say awareness, but the problem is I, I'm also a pretty aware person and I stepped in those exact same freaking potholes. Um, I would say probably one of the things that would have benefited me a lot earlier was finding that, balance a lot sooner than I, than I did, or at least focusing on finding balance. I'm always, I'm, I'm really good at honing in on one thing and doing one thing. And, you know, like buds, I didn't, didn't talk to anybody, didn't have any relationship, didn't do, I only did buds. That was my fucking life. That was it. And it, and it worked. And I did that with, you know, other businesses, but at the same time, I should have pulled my head up earlier, probably like, late twenties, early thirties, and been like, okay, well, let's look a little bit more forward. Let's look, what do I want my life to look like 10 years from now? If I'm 33, what do I want my life to look like at 43? What do I want to have as assets? What do I want to do with, with my life, with my wife, with kids, with, do I want a boat? Do I want a plane? Do I want a, do I want a big office? Do I not want an office? Like, wh what do I want my life to look like? And I think I should have asked myself those questions before because I think it's very important that um, it's, it's like a roadmap, right? Like you, just, you, need, you need two points on, to find your way. You know, very honest assessment and real assessment of where you are on the map. And then two, you need to define where it is you want to go. And once you have that, then you can figure out where to go. And it's never 
it's never like this, of course, but it's always like, you know, roundabout, whatever. But, but if you just go and you're like, well, I'm going to go this way or that way, the chances of you actually achieving and going where exactly you, you want to go without actually thinking about it ahead of time is so infinitesimally small. It's almost mathematically impossible. So I think I should have set much more specific goals earlier um, and much broader goals rather than I want to have a big company. I want to do this. I want to do that. Like I need to be very specific. Like I want to be, you know, 43 with these type of assets with this much in the bank, with this type of life, with this much freedom, with this much vacation. Like I should have been a lot more specific with it other than just like, I want to build a big company and have money. Like, okay, that, you know, what does that mean exactly? Yeah. So a more holistic approach, you would tell your younger self to take a more holistic approach. Also, be single-minded, but don't be so single-minded that you don't see anything else. And don't be short-sighted and see the kind of the long game that you're building towards in life. It'd be your advice is what I'm hearing. Yeah, exactly. I would say find, find the balance. Like, understand that there is balance, um, you know, and it's almost never 50-50, but balance yeah. exists. And my, my balance has always been, you know, previously like 90-10, you know, which, which isn't sustainable. It cost me a lot of caused me a lot of problems and cost me a lot of relationships. Um, and it's very effective with building shit, but at the same time, it's, it's not effective with, if you have different goals, like having a broad experience as a human, it's very hard to do that when you're 90, 10, you know, pedal the metal, go in this direction. It's very hard to change direction or to slow down and enjoy shit. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's very important to like really take a, like you said, a holistic view of like, you know, what do you want your life to look like? on in a macro sense and a micro sense, like in a, a big picture, like what does your life look like in a snapshot? And also in the, in the day, like what, where do you wake up in the morning? When you open mm. your eyes, are you looking at the West coast? Are you looking at the East coast? Are you looking at mm. a valley? Are you looking at mountains? When you get coffee, do you want to be in, you know, a, a really small house? Do you want to be waking up, uh, you know, a trailer out in, you know, a, a park somewhere or like, what do you want your life to look like? Um, and I think if I'd been more specific with that, I should have been more focused on the realities of what a well-rounded life looked like. I shouldn't have been, like it's, it's very useful to be focused, but at the same time, it does have its detriments. And I just went all in, yeah. full, you know, full right pedal the whole way. And it's, you know, it was cool and it's fun. I got a lot of, a lot of great stories and a lot of good times. But at the same time, now that the, the goals that I've set for myself now, I would have been a lot further along on those goals uh, if I had if I'd really looked at what I wanted holistically, uh, you know, five, 10 years ago. Dude, well, I'll tell you what, man, um, you know, you've changed my trajectory. You've, you've, cha you've made a 1% adjustment into my life. And just by this, this short talk that we've had right now, and I know that the people have jumped on they can say the same thing. If they were really listening and they, um, I would say at a minimum 1%, some people's whole life, 100% has changed. So, you know, just know that you're fulfilling your purpose. You know, you are, you are reaching back, helping out those people that maybe are similar to you back, you know, just similar to you growing up and, and, and in a similar position that you were in. And uh, dude, I'm just grateful you took the time out to, to teach us a little bit and share, share some of the lessons that you've, you've, you've gathered. Um, and yeah, man, I'm just really proud of who you've become, dude, to be honest. Oh, man, I'm thanks, bro. But I am not where I want to be yet. I've, I've learned a lot, um, mainly from making mistakes. And I'm, like I said, I'm happy to share because there's, there's no reason for anybody to make the same mistakes I did, especially if there's like, they're just they're so easy to fucking, you know, to not make. You know, it's like a pothole and like step in it and look back and like, hey, yeah. don't step in that fucking pothole. Um, but at the same time, it's like, uh, I do have big goals. I do want to continue doing this. I want to grow uh, as a person and as a business. Uh, but at the same time, like, what have I done so far? It sounds cool sometimes on some parts of the resume, but other times when I look at it and I, I see other people, some of my friend group that are doing just like monumentally big shit, like way bigger stuff than, than I'm doing. Um, and they're younger than me. I'm like, Holy shit, man. Like there's so much more to learn. There's so many, so many people that are just incredible at their craft and what they do and know so much information 
Um, that's really what I'm trying to dive into now is, is, you know, learning from those people so that I can help myself not make these same mistakes. If I can learn from them mistakes that they made and them looking back on, and I'm following that path. Absolutely. I want to learn from them on like what, what potholes they stepped in so I can avoid. Um, and man, dude, thanks for having me. I, I learned so much from these conversations as well. It really helps me to still, uh, what it is that I think about things sometimes because I just go through life and I just go through it. So you brought up some really great points that, um, that I hadn't even thought of, but you're, you're, you're totally right. You, you succinctly nailed a lot of this stuff. So thanks for having me on, man. Well, thanks, dude. I appreciate it. Anything else? Is there anything else that you'd like to share before we close out, man? I would say the one thing that I see most common with people who want to take that leap into entrepreneurship and they don't know what to do yet is that you'll never know what to do. You'll, there is no, like you got it moment It's like, you just have to understand that, um, you're not going to see steps two and three until you take step one. Mm. Like you ever see Indiana Jones and, uh, the last crusade, I think it is where he's yeah. got, he's chasing, he's going for the goblet and he's got his dad's wounded behind him. And he's got a, he's got this huge chasm. He's got to jump and he's, it, you can't jump it. It's way too far. And he comes to the edge of it. And he's like, how, how the hell am I supposed to get across this thing? It's, it's too far. And it's something in his mind says like, Hey, the, the righteous man takes a leap of faith. So he's like, fuck it. All right. And just puts one foot out. And as soon as his first foot lands on, as soon as he puts his foot out, it lands on the path and his perspective changed by moving a foot forward. Mm. And all of a sudden he could see the rest of the path. And he's like, Oh mm. shit. I couldn't see it from my perspective back here. But now that I'm took one step forward, I can see where the path goes. And I think entrepreneurship is a lot like that, where you think you need to know all this stuff or have a degree or have all this information. And the reality is there's so much information out there. Like you don't need to know really anything. Like you, you literally just go find a product or a service, go fucking sell it. And you can figure out everything else later. And if people are waiting for some kind of like sign or like, Oh, I'm waiting until I do this degree or I get this course or I do that, dude, you're not going to know, anything more at the end of that. And if you're waiting for it, you're just costing yourself time and you're being kind of a pussy about it. You should just go for it. Just jump out there, take that first step, understand that you don't know what you're doing, but neither does anybody else. So you just got to take that fucking leap and trust yourself to figure it out because business is, um, it's very hard and it's difficult. It's a lot of work, but it is not complicated. It's, it's very, it's very simple. It's only co as complex as you make it. So although it is a lot of work, um, it, you really, it's very easy to understand. Um, so I would say, man, if there's any interest in somebody stepping outside of their box and into something that, that they feel they have more freedom, more control over, this is literally the best time in the history of humankind to be able to execute on something like this. You couldn't do this even 30 years ago. It did the entrepreneurship thing. It didn't exist. Um, so I think, man, now if, if you, if any people watching or listening have an idea that they want to go explore, go do it. Now is the time to go do it because there's, it's not going to, time's not going to wait for you. Go do it now and you'll figure it out as you go. It's beautiful, bro. Um, that's basically the lesson in, in leadership too, is don't wait to lead, show up, step up go first and then clean it up as you go, get your lessons learned. And then, you know, somebody that's, that's, that's starting out in entrepreneurship, be ready because it's not just about you. You're going to get to a level where you're going to need people and you're going to need to inspire them and influence them. So don't yeah. make the same mistakes that the people ahead of you are make, have made and, and learn from those as you go, man. <laughs> right? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. All right, dude. Well, Hey, I'm gonna let you jet. Uh, appreciate your time today. Ryan is great. It's great. Uh, getting on here and, uh, a lot of value for myself and the audience for both sides. Uh, so, dude, I appreciate you and, uh, and stay in touch. All right, my man. Dude, thanks for having me, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening and tuning in today. I know you found value in today's episode. Um, one of my favorite parts of, of today's episode was the, the topic of ego and how you need to have a big ego to build anything big. Ego takes a bad rap. 
you know, people think that it's a bad thing and they, 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 they say that people are egotistical, but the reality of the situation is that in order to accomplish anything in life, you need to allow your ego to kind of carry you there, pull you there. But it is a delicate balance, man. You got to be able to pull it in and rein it and pull it back in order to keep control of it and not allow it to essentially consume you and your world and, and, you know, just put you into a, an egotistical spiral essentially. So I thought I thought that was a really interesting part for today's topic, and it it really resonated with me specifically. I'm always trying to find my balance between having my ego and 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 balancing my humility. So for you, you know, I want you to sit back and reflect on what your biggest takeaway was from today's episode. You know, like all of our episodes, I don't want this to be just information. I want you to take it, digest it, and put it into action. So put something into action from today. Okay, that's what I ask. And then additionally, if you find value, if you found value in today's episode, if you laughed, if you learned, or if you walked away inspired, uh, do us a solid and share with a friend. That could be as easy as posting it on your social media, putting it on your Instagram story, tagging myself, tagging um, Justin, and just help us spread the message to make the world better and share this knowledge with the people around your circle. Okay. That's what I ask. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for tuning in. And until next time, be the leader. I need some motivation. Motivation. Every day I try a little harder, but my dedication. Dedication. Keep my head way, way above the water. Trying myself when I yell at the wall. Begging to run, but I needed to crawl. I see the finish line up ahead. Trying to get traction from all of this tread. I am a king. I am a queen. I am more than the people can see. I am strong when I'm needing to be. Vulnerability's nothing to me. You can try, but I'm unshakable. My successes is never debatable. I'm coming and I'm so interchangeable. Here's to you and all that you are capable. You gotta go hard, better get it.